Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisila. Hi, welcome to Business is Unusual. This is Aisila, and I am very excited to be here talking with Victoria Carrington, the founder and a creative, I want to say more than genius, but also genius force, the, cre <laughs> the creative fountain behind Lilac and Aspen. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. And I have uh, one of my creative partners that we work together to get work for done. She calls me a fire taker. So I'm just going to say creative fire starter. That just feels on point. I like to spark inspiration uh, for all of the different partners and relationships that I have through creative means. Yeah. And that's the... We'll share also more in depth a little bit later on this, but one of the things that Victoria and I started talking about with the show was the ways in which creativity gets boxed in. And so myself and many people consider themselves to be creative when they are compartmentalized from their life. I'm an, I am a writer and I do nothing else, or I'm a painter. And there's a harmony and an integration to life that includes creativity in moments. And I feel like there's a lot of, for me anyway, inspiration in that. If I'm making something and I let myself be playful, which I feel is another aspect of creativity and you make it, you make a pancake look like something else <laughs> or play with, there's something to that, that I think if there's a way that it sparks joy for people, myself included, and that sparks that creativity as well. And letting ourselves be more integrated or Actually, I would say embracing ourselves as more integrated and not not buying into this idea that we are segmented because I don't think it's ever been true, but I think it had a lot hold a sway over sort of Western ideology for so mm -hmm. long that that teaching people they're all of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Creativity is inherently a part of us, all of us, and it manifests in so many different ways. And I love what you said about creativity being connected to joy and to play an expression. For me, and I'll, I'll share this quick snippet of a little bit of my creative journey. So I have always loved creativity in terms of some of art and expression. I loved drawing when I was a kid. Uh, I loved painting. And yes, those are like the standards, but I really believe creativity is beyond that. And when I was in high school, I had a teacher tell me that I needed to pick a different career path, that art was not going to be it for me. She didn't feel that I had the finite art skills, hard art skills to be a successful artist. So of course, when she told me this destroyed any confidence that I had, and yeah. it's much like you said, that Western ideology of what to be an artist and to be a creative is and what it isn't. And if you don't fit in the box, uh, you're out. And for me, I 
went on, obviously I've healed, I've overcome, and I have like creative entrepreneurship. Like I studied graphic design because that's really where it pushed me. It pushed mm-hmm. me to use that creativity graphically. And I've been studying graphic design for 20 years. And wait, wait, you solved that problem of her bad feedback creatively. Let's be clear. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I guess I'm not going to do anything like drawing. So I might as well. I, and I had a photography teacher who like took me under his wing in high school and was like, here, let's do photography. So I invested in photography and graphics and now have a graphic design. Essentially I call it like an Aspen, a creative collaborative because Creativity is bigger than these spaces, but some of the specifics I do graphic design and I love this idea that we're exploring of how much creative problem solving and other avenues of creativity beyond fine arts or beyond the fine art results. <laughs> hmm. Exactly. Well, and that's, I feel like that's another aspect of this is the awareness that these things that we do for work, for business, for entrepreneurship, for commercial, they are also creative endeavors. Mm -hmm. And there are times when there's this false, I think, distinction made between real art, fine art, and that Mm -hmm. day-to-day art, and, and also commercialized, intended to be manipulative art. But there's still all some aspect of creativity. And I think one of the things that I really like that that we've been talking about is the indigenizing of our world and that really recognizing that we are integrated and that the rejection of that integration causes us, uh, I think, everything from discomfort to to harm. Mm -hmm. And also it means that our creativity is less fueled because it doesn't get the full benefit of our whole self because we put it over to the side in some way or decide it has to be something else. So much in our colonized version of society is that art has to, or creativity has to have a one specific result or an array of like these handful of results. And that in very definition defeats the whole purpose of creativity. The purpose of creativity is you're bringing to fruition into life something that maybe isn't thought of before. You're going into, you're bringing something new to the realm, to the table, however you want to view it. And so one, this idea of results. And then two, this idea of it has to look this certain way and so much of getting back to our indigenous roots also involves joy. It also involves, because the creative process, when I think about the creative process that I learned in school and the creative process that I practice now in school, a lot of times it is about the result. But as I grew as an artist, I was like, I just want to create just to create, to joy, to have fun to enjoy the process. And those are things that we're not always being taught and we're not always nurturing as a society or creatives. And so much so that it feels, and I know you and I have talked about this, it feels almost radical when you're like, hey, I'm being a creative. I'm coming out here and doing an entrepreneur and I'm changing how something has always been done. And it feels radical, but it's not radical. It's inventive. It, and it's, it's inventive and 
it's real like that it's weird because I feel like we are in a time and space where some things that I would consider to be natural human behavior are considered to be radical. Mm. And it's a, I, I personally believe that they we're going to look back at this time and in the ways that we look back at the medicine in the medieval ages and just mm. really question what people were doing and thinking because mm. of the ways in which the sort of more accepted dominant ways of approaching things are, is just so backwards and harmful. And yet it, at this time we consider it to be normal as a, and at least in a dominant cultural aspect. And it's, it, it is interesting to, to feel like acknowledging our human experience, our human need to create our human desire for connection mm-hmm. is radical. Like acknowledging that those are uh, motivators for so many of us. Mm-hmm. And, and just to make sure people know, because uh, we know this, uh, Lilac and Aspen is a digital marketing and content creation firm, yep. consulting business, shop, yeah, yes. boutique, <laughs> I don't know where, the right word. <laughs> and so part of what uh, Victoria and I and, uh, were talking about in terms of the, the whole business is unusual piece is that it's the work to create things isn't just the hours that you're spending. Mm-hmm. So if you hire when, because uh, I would highly recommend it <laughs> if she's available, when you hire Victoria and she does an hour of graphic design, what often gets left out of that story for most of us as creative workers in different ways is, yes, technically that was an hour. Maybe she charges you know a thousand dollars an hour i won't I, i'll let her tell you her prices later when you talk to her but that money is not representative of her hour right it's representative of her 20 plus years of study expertise implementation and awareness it's representative of the background time that she has to spend every hour of creativity requires a couple of hours of sort of generation and that generation requires that you have time and rest so she has to take that time to garden or to walk that mm-hmm. and honestly we should yeah. all be doing it but for people that are generating creative solutions or output that time is critical to their ability to do it and so the amount of creations you can do in a week is really dependent on the amount of generative time that you have set aside. And so that's your, and then the other thing that you're paying for is the amount of time that you didn't have to spend on it. Mm. If you were doing it yourself, would it take three or six or 10 hours? How much is that time worth to you? Mm-hmm. Not, not even just how much time can you, how much money can you make in that time, which I, I know is a question some people would ask and that's also mm-hmm. legitimate, but also how much is that 10 hours worth to you? Is that, yeah two hours of exercise and three hours with your family and two hours of cooking a good meal in those moments, what are you giving up to not pay an expert and to not value the creative process that they're going through? Yeah. And yeah, here for all of it. I am giving steps to all of that. Thank you, Aisula. And something that really comes up for me is that value of the creative process And it it does really segue into earlier what I was saying about we so much value the results, but we need to shift into also valuing the creative process. Because I think if we start to value the creative process, we are going to value the creatives more. And I say that because even in in society, there's still the trope of a starving artist, this belief that art is something that isn't as monetarily valued. 
but we know that art and creativity brings so much to the world. And so valuing the creative process is one step to value the creative. And in that creative process, you're right. Like when I think of business as unusual, like what I do that I know is unusual at Lilac and Aspen, and and I do, I sometimes struggle saying I'm a marketing firm because by definition, that is what we do. We do marketing, but I don't necessarily set out to sell anybody on anything. And that includes with the clients that I work with, that includes their products or their services. What I set out to do is tell a good story. We love stories. And in order to do that, whether I tell the story visually through a graphic or verbally through content creation, the ways that I tell the story and how I can do that so efficiently and effectively is getting to know you, getting to know the people I work with. And that's not stuff that can generally be done overnight. That's all a huge part of the process. So when you see that fee, that's also me taking the time to sit with you and get to know you so that I can pull out those things and let you some of the magic of your story, the magic that people are going to want to hear. It's also backed up with like market research and knowing what generally does well in like social media and things like that. But a lot of times we struggle with telling our own story in a way that's confident. And mm-hmm. that's my magic. That's the business as unusual. And that's what I do in every aspect of every project that I work with. And so it's not simply just, here's a cool graphic. It's no, here's a graphic that is expressing you and your brand and your, why are you doing this? Cause you and I both know that entre- creative entrepreneurship is not easy. But why do we do it? Why do we keep showing up? And the more that people see your why and they see your magic, they're going to be attracted. Like the people that that it aligns with are going to be attracted to what you're offering. And that in Mm -hmm. itself is how you create that connection. Rather than trying to sell people on something, I would much rather work on creating a connection. Mm -hmm. And you say this and it's a, I feel like this is a conversation I have a lot with the folks that I tend to work with is they're they're often very reluctant to be salesy and they and the reality is that it much like the distinction you made earlier around the being rushed versus being effective and efficient recognizing that you have a service or product and you want people to find it and use it so to sell things or engage in commerce is a value neutral experience here. <laughs> this is a, an exchange of energy or finance, whatever. However, what I feel has been com- sort of collapsed together is manipulation and sales. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about connection, the for me, that's one of the things I feel like, because I, like I said, I work with a lot of very impassioned people and Yes, they want to sell their services or their, they don't want to manipulate. Mm-hmm. And sales and manipulation has been so collapsed that mm-hmm. people go there. And so making it clear, I, I feel like I spend a lot of time really helping to expose that difference and be very clear. I don't want to manipulate anyone. Mm-hmm. I do want to hook into ways to let them know, yes, we're, we are one of the options for mm-hmm. you. We've Absolutely. got something we think you'll like. And so... 
And similarly, yes, we lose some of those tools and tactics. We try to identify who we think will be most interested in this product or service. Mm -hmm. And we try to find ways to appeal to the things that we know they're going to find interesting. Mm -hmm. But, and I don't know, maybe, and this is maybe something you could speak to, but the difference between being that storyteller or ambassador Mm -hmm. and trying to convince something or someone of something without necessarily considering them as part of the equation. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like that's part of the manipulation is it's, I'm going to use you as a pawn in my money-making scheme mm-hmm. versus I want to include you in this. And it can't always be deep, right? There has to be some awareness that it's going to be sometimes quick or more surface level. And it, I think it's that perspective of, I, I see you as a person in this process. You mm-hmm. are not simply an object to purchase or Mm -hmm. to be manipulated. Yeah, I think, so I, this is a really great dynamic and and dynamic question. And I feel like with sales of a product, it's sometimes like when the manipulation is happening, you're saying this is for anyone and everybody. Whereas when you're telling a story, you're really more focused on your target audience because as a creative entrepreneur, your target audience isn't for everybody. I'm not for everybody. There are people, I know that I am a lovely, brilliant, kind human being and my services and the way that I work is not for everybody. And that's okay. And I know that. And so I think when we start to realize one, we're not for everybody. And two, we're really just trying to say, this is who we are and this is what we can do. And that's going to align and hit with the right people. It feels less manipulative. It feels more Mm -hmm. like an introduction and you can build a more solid relationship. And that's what's beautiful about, because a lot of times I hear the marketing industry is so oversaturated. There's so many like digital marketing agencies. There's so many digital marketing agencies because there's so many different types of people. There's so Mm -hmm. many different types of personas and buyers. And so I think that finding with connect and that's why I would say connecting with your why connecting with what makes you magic is going to help you share that message. And it's going to help also the people. It goes back to the value because if you're building a relationship with somebody, if you have something very unique about you, or if you're doing something that is creative and maybe not of the typical status quo, When you find that person that's going to be able to tell your story in a way that you feel is authentic, in a way that's going to honor you and honor your values, you, of course, want to support that and pay for that. And I think that's where the conversion does happen, as opposed to using sales, like pitchy, pushy sales to convince people that they need this, because then people feel bad and then they might question whether you're the right person, but by doing it the first way and building that relationship, they don't question whether you're the right person. They know you're the right person for them and for the job. And it just makes projects I found in my experience move so much smoother and you can do way more when you set those foundations and those relationships first. Yeah. And I will say that you and I both engage in what I consider to be intimate work. I'm in people's business. I'm in their strategy. I'm in their accounts. <laughs> I, as, as fractional leadership, fractional operations, and it's like being an accountant 
I think that's also a very intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there are times when people are not as cognizant of that intimacy because we think of intimacy in a very limited space, that compartmentalized mm -hmm. world. And so the ways in which we can feel vulnerable mm -hmm. around the stories we have been telling or the ways we haven't been telling our story particularly well. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking to someone, a creative storyteller like yourself. Mm -hmm. And I will say, just having worked with Victoria now uh, on one project, that it, I felt so held in that process. Like there was a lot of thoughtfulness around that as sharing sort of the, the things that we had created for this client that I have and the, the work that they had done. And I didn't really realize how better that would feel to have somebody really hold that and say, yeah, I see this and I understand why you were challenged and here's the things that I could see that would be helpful to you really making this more effective to, to build what you're working towards. And I don't know if that was because you had that intentionality around the intimacy or simply your style or some combination of both. And I just, mm -hmm. I have to say, as a, if you are a solopreneur, I mean, it's a little bit of an advertisement here, <laughs> wanting to build a values-driven, effective marketing campaign. And if, especially if you've had challenges because you're, you're selling something that maybe is unique or solves a niche challenge or you've come up with something amazing but it doesn't fit the mold in some way i really feel like victoria's approach that thoughtful clarity of really getting their arms around what you're doing uh, it that, i mean i'm describing it like a hug but i guess in some ways that's how it felt because then it's oh, okay you do you get it you see this you see what we can do and you see our limitations you can help us to either build the skills we need to address those limitations or help us bridge that gap in some way and that creates such a confidence but it is it's a very vulnerable experience and i didn't realize how i had become like braced to be knocked about without much thought until I didn't have that experience with you. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head of why I feel like I'm such a business as unusual and why I sometimes joke that I call my, I do, I call myself a marketing bandita. Like I feel like a marketing outlaw. I'm doing things that are different and I know I'm not the only one, but in the mainstream of the industry, I'm behaving very differently. I'm, and I always say like an outlaw is not somebody who's lawless. An outlaw is somebody who might not always follow the letter of the law if that law isn't working for the greater good of a community. And that's why I call myself a marketing bandita because what you just described is so much of the intention and going back to the creative process. It is vulnerable. I have had clients apologize to me for being emotional. And I'm like, of course it's emotional. It is your brand. It is your why. It is your who you are. It is, this is your legacy that you are trying to leave with the world. Of course it's vulnerable. And I'm asking you these questions that are deep because I want you to, I want you to have confidence and know who you are for and who you're not for so that you can save time and energy and money. And that's not always an easy process, but then I balance it, like you said, with that kindness and that, that holding of space. And so I, I like to say when people look at, at, going back to the conversation, when people look at my fees, that's also what they're getting. They're getting this person that is supporting them, that is cheerleading them, that is, 
asking them to be vulnerable and go deeper and going alongside them. And it's funny because those skills came most from my years as teaching Spanish. And I, I like to say I'm an educator turned entrepreneur. And when we talk about value of skills, like going back to these creative skills, learning how to teach and, and be in a classroom, I learned a ton of creative skills, especially when 2020 hit. And mm -hmm. I suddenly had to figure out as an educator, like in a weekend, how to teach K through eight Spanish virtually. And oh, so <laughs> I knew from the outside, but just saying that like, yeah, in a weekend, that's a big deal. But I I think that's what I love about what I do, and that's my why is that opportunity to because I'll be honest, like parts of me miss teaching and being in the classroom. And I have to remind myself that my students have just changed that mm -hmm. I love working with creative entrepreneurs, startups, small businesses, nonprofits, grassroots organizations, and really helping them align and find that why it is vulnerable. It is sometimes like a very raw process, but it's really real. And then the outcome is that confidence yeah. to be able to go. And that's what starts to convert people, right? Is not so much look at all these flashy sales pitches and then you're manipulating people and they don't like that. It's your confidence that sells people. It's because you know who you are, you know what you want, you know what you're bringing and you believe in yourself and your product and or your skills. People love that. People gravitate towards that. I mean we all can think of a best-selling author in one way or form off the top of our heads that has some memoir that you read it and you're like, okay, this, I can relate to this, but it's really just them telling their story with confidence. Right. And that feels spot on and super wise. Thank you so much for talking to me today about creativity and marketing and indigenizing <laughs> and I really appreciate you taking the time to share your wisdom. Oh, and if people are, we talked a little bit about it, but if people are listening and they're like, whoa, I need to know more, what's the best way for them to get in touch, learn more, follow you, that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to get in touch with me is LinkedIn is one way you can find me, Victoria Carrington. I am based out of the greater Boston area. You can also find me at my website, lilacaspen.com. You can also book a 30-minute coffee session with me there where we can talk about how I can help you confidently tell your story. You also can find me on Instagram. I'm going to give you two, a bonus Instagram. Lilac and Aspen's where you'll find all the cool things that I'm doing, Lilac and Aspen. But Wild and Lee, at Wild and Lee, L-E, you'll find me as me, as an artist, as a creative entrepreneur, as an indigenous woman, as somebody who is wanting to spark creativity and empower as many people as I can, in particular BIPOC uh, and LGBTQ plus IA communities. So happy trails. <laughs> thanks, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yes. And let's see.